Praise the Lord. I'm going to move this a little bit to the side here. I want to lock some free space up here. Anyway, for everyone that is here, for those who are listening to in online this morning, we want to talk a little bit about unity among us. How in the world can we become one? It's a hard, it's a hard pick. It's a very hard pick. Because we don't like people uh, lecturing us. We are proud. We are all kinds of things. And we have certain things that we think is right and others are wrong. And then when the, that's when, when the, the, the discussion starts. So that's when the disunity kicks in. But as the Church of Christ... Remember, we are on a journey to become more united with each other. That's a given. That's what the church of Christ is all about. United. Become one. We have been brought under one roof. Under one Savior. And his name is Jesus. That's why we have to. We have to try to get this unity down. There is no way out. We will have to become one at one point. There are certain things we can disagree. We can agree to disagree. But there are certain things we can't, they are non-negotiable. We have to agree. We have to become united. So as the Church of Christ, we are on this journey. Because you have to remember... That we have only one head. Jesus Christ is the head. We also need to remember Jesus Christ has only one bride, not two. We are considered the bride of Jesus Christ. Do you, do you understand that? There are no, Jesus will not marry two brides. He is marrying one bride. We are part of the bride. Now we have to understand each other. We have to go along with each other. We have to make sure we know that we are one family. God's ex God, he expects unity, by the way. Remember, Jesus died for it. Everything is set to funnel towards Jesus in the end. Everything comes back to him. Remember the text where Jesus said, where... Every, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. See, it comes down to that very thing. It's about bringing the world together under one roof. Not the world itself, but the church. We are, we have called to come together. And it's interesting how uh, this, this week I went to... Uh, a meeting with, uh, with a pastor here in, 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 in Markham, and I was just uh, uh, questioning or asking questions regarding the, the, the churches in the area. And he was telling me that you know, they're going in different directions. Some have this idea, 
Others have the other idea. Others believe in this. Others believe in that. And they don't even really pray together. They don't, they don't have nothing really that binds them together. And, and having one goal as for, for example, winning the, the, the community of Markham to the Lord. But God expects unity. What is it with us? But here are some of the reasons why we need, these are some of the reasons that we, that we need to understand, that we need to come together. Jesus Christ is, is the head. You also understand that a lone wolf will not make it, uh, not cause a great impact. For those, you know, wolves, they go in packs. A lone wolf is the type of guy that goes by itself. He doesn't really care the opinion of others. But sometimes we kind of feel that we are a little bit like in the, vol- in the lone, lone wolf system. We do our own thing. I do my own thing. I don't really want to engage in the unity and becoming and coming one and getting together and planning together and do things together. Or we should actually maybe become like more like the three musketeers. And the three musketeers had this one. One for all and all for one. That's how they operated their system. We are together. We walk together. We work together. We pray together. We have a goal together. And we are going to reach this goal together. And if that's the case... Then the world will notice it. Right now, sad to say, but we are kind of being laughed at. People in the world, they laugh at us. They mock us. Why? Because we have a hard time to agree with each other. We have a hard time to go along with each other. We have a hard time. We're making, we are making fool of, of ourselves. Because we cannot agree. The, the, the world looks outside, looks and sees us. And I'm like, well, you know, church, you don't agree with nothing, basically. You, have, you fight over everything. So how can the world actually all of a sudden see, wow, that is one solid, united group. I want to join. Because they're changing. They're changing the world. But as it stands, presently, in the world, there are different kingdoms apparently underneath the same, what we call church. We cannot agree on virtually anything these days. Especially not when it comes to internal affairs of the church. Let alone the external affairs. The external affairs, we find ourselves on opposite sides. We are divided. We are divided in the political spectrum. One goes for the Democrats, the other goes for the Republicans, or the liberals and the conservatives. One believes this is right, the other believes that is right. And we are talking inside, people from inside the church. We are divided in moral issues. We are divided on marriage issues, religious issues. And this is kind of just between... Those, those whom we call inside the church with issues that are outside. 
But the most concerning aspect is that we seem not to agree also inside the church. We don't agree internally. We, the body of Christ, are very much divided regarding internal affairs. We could mention here that we don't agree on theological matters. Bible has the final and absolute authority. Well, not everybody agrees with that. Some say, well, the Bible is sort of okay, but, you know, there are certain things you have to kind of, well, I'm not sure. We're talking in the church. There is disagreement in the form of interpreting the Bible. Is the Bible literal or is the Bible symbolic? Well, some will say, that's no, this is, this is not literal. This is not meant literally. This is meant only symbolically. And there are disagreements theologically. Matters of creation versus evolution. Some Christians say, yeah, God created, but he also, we also agree with evolution. Others will say, no, no, evolution really never happened. Other than some, maybe some small changes of, of you know, because of environmental stuff. But some say, no, there is creation and there is evolution. Others say, no, there is only creation. We are talking inside the church. We will debate matters of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some say the gifts have ended. Others say, no, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still there. Some will say that miracles were only for the apostolic times. They are no longer valid for today. Miracles no longer happen. And others will say, will say, no, 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 miracles are still happening. If you pray, if you lay hands, if you, if you anoint with oil, miracles are still happening. There's d- disagreement regarding the decision-making process in the church. Who has final authority when it comes to decision-making? We'll talk about the authority of the pastor. Some say the pastor has authority. I'll say pastor has only an employee of the church. He has nothing to say. I'm a suspect here, you know. I guess I don't have much to say anyway. Others will discuss, well, should women become pastors in the church? Should they not? There is disagreement. Some will agree. Some will say, no, no, no. Women should not be uh, senior pastors. They should not be pastors. should not be teaching because the Bible is clear. Others say, no, that was for at that time. Now it's different. We cannot agree. Accept or not the gay and lesbian lifestyle. There are churches today who will say, that's fine. It's all good. Others will say, no, 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 no. God said the marriage is between one man and one woman. Yeah, but that was then. Things now have changed. We have to adapt culturally. We don't agree. Whether we should uh, dress up a certain way. This is maybe more like for uh, back in Brazil. We would have certain churches that it, they, the, the woman had to have a, a head cover and, uh, and, and they are certain denominations and others, no, no, this is, well, this is so obsolete. There's no necessary. And whoever is right, one thing is for sure, there is division. People don't agree. Short hair, long hair. Tattoos, no Tattoos. Eschatological matters, whether or not there will be a rapture of the church or not. Some say, no, no, there is no rapture. There's only a second coming of Christ. 
Others will say, well, Jesus is coming again or not. Some say that he is not even coming again. Others will believe, well, there the question regarding the tribulation. Some say that we will all pass through the seven-year tribulation. Others say, well, there is not even a tribulation. Tribulation is right now. Confusion, division, separation, discussions, and we are not united. We also have ecclesiology issues. And this includes really the style of worship. Some say we should go worship bands. Others say we should go choir. Others say we should go both. Service should be no longer than one hour. If it passed one hour, it, you know, that's when I shut down. Political correctness in the church should be maintained. Today we should not be preaching about things such as uh, that will offend anybody. So just as long as we have people here, we are all good. We don't have to preach some heavy stuff. We don't preach about sin anymore because then people will not come to church. Others will say, no, no, you got to preach it. Preach it, brother. Because the gospel hasn't changed. You see, divisions. People think different things. So we are divided. But the Lord knows that the only way to change the world is to bring, or is it through our unity in the church? And I'm not just talking about the local church. I'm talking about the unity among the evangelical, the Christian, the Bible-believing churches. We should be united. So the question really is, what is holding us back from become united as church? What is holding us back? Why are, we all, why are we all in different directions? Why is it, if you only have one Holy Spirit, we, are only, we have only one bridegroom, which is Jesus. We have only one goal, which is heaven. We have only one Bible. Why in the world we are in all different directions? Each one goes with their own idea. And the world, I'm telling you, the world is laughing. You guys are not reaching anything. Think about those other groups that are firmly connected with each other, what they are, made, what they are able to accomplish. God himself, on the day they were trying to build the Tower of Babel, there they started, and they became together, and they became united, and they started to build that tower, and they decided, we are going to build a tower that's going to reach up all the way to heaven. And God was looking down. It's probably him and Jesus talking and the Holy Spirit looking on the side there too. Hey, you know, this is no good. We'll have to do something. Because if they continue the way they are, there will be nothing holding them back. Because if they continue united the way they are, everything will be possible to them. No. For the first time in the Bible, from what I see, God got concerned you read a text. We have to do something. We got to go down there and break it down because their unity is, of course, they were in the wrong direction altogether. They were going against God. They were doing their own thing. They were, it's all about pride and stuff. 
but God saw the unity and what it could bring. He went down there and spread out all the languages and people start not talking. The guy wanted to, uh, uh, a brick and the guy all of a sudden sent them a, a rope or something and they just couldn't continue on constructing. So they had to separate and each one went to their own way. And they stopped the construction. So unity is crucial, is of extreme importance. Now what in the world is holding us back to become united? Well, now we go to the text. Please open up your Bible if you have one. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Here's what it says. James 4, 1 to 11. I want to read this text. This is the beginning. You know, this is our downfall. This is what happens when, for some reason, we cannot get together. Why we cannot get together? Submit yourself to God. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get in your own pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell on us? But he gives us more grace. And that is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. There's a key right here, humble. Humble is right the key right here. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When the judge of the law, when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Your desires that battle within you. Now let's examine what in the world, what kind of desires do you have in your heart? Deep down, what is there? Have you, have you, have you, thought back, okay, what is it? Is it about what you want? Or is it about the greater good? And most of all, is it about pleasing God? Sometimes we find ourselves fighting for ourselves. It is ultimately what I want, what I prefer, what I desire, what I think is right. Like I said, we don't like to be lectured. 
But for some reason, we, ha- we, and we are tough on, no, I'm not changing because I like it the way I want it. And this is, I'm going to fight for it. Now, think about yourself, not just in a setting of a local church. Think about in the setting of your house or even in the setting of your work. You want to do it your way. We always tend to do it our own way. And so that what causes fight and quarrels among you? What causes this division? Your desires that battle within you. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. No, I know you, today you don't, you don't massacre anybody, you don't kill, you are, you are no longer a, uh, uh, an assassin. I hope you never were. But there are people out there that you know, have become to the Lord. They used to be. And I, I used to go and uh, uh, work in, in prison, and there were many. They, you know, they had committed all types of crimes. But they are no longer criminals. They have surrendered their way of life to the Lord. So you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Or you, and sometimes we can kill with words. Can we not? We can kill using our words, sometimes three, to, three or four words to a person, and that person is dead. So you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And then it goes on, you, you, don't, you don't have because you do not ask God. I mean, you don't truly ask God. You ask And the text goes on, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. We think of us. We are selfish. And then the writer here, he goes all out. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Friendship with the world has to do with all the, the, the things that the world offers, but it has also to do with what you want from the world. You want certain things from the world, and because of it, you do whatever it takes to get it. And somehow, it is friendship. You become, yeah, I, I, I like this part. I really like, I really do. And I want this. Friendship with the world means enmity against God. Now, we are not talking about certain things that you need. It's different from what you want. Things that you need is one thing. Things that you want is something different. What you need is fine. You need food. You need a house. You need a car. You need clothing. You need uh, peace in life. You need uh, certain things you need, and that's fine. The Lord wants you to have it. But then it goes beyond that. We start fighting for other things, and we become really friends with the world. We engage with the ways of the world. We engage or having wanting to have the things that, that the world is offering. There's greed involved. There's a hunger for power involved. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, and it goes beyond too, it has to do with the way the world thinks. How does the world think today? Well, God is no longer in the picture. God has, is, is no longer an important figure in society. 
We live on our own now. We can do it by ourselves. And we tend to start to agree. Sometimes with our own silence, by doing nothing, by not agreeing, or by simply not saying anything, we end up already agreeing. We end up already, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. We did just by not saying anything. Because we are also in the same route where the world is in the political correctness aspect. We don't say certain things because if we say, we're going to raise up some dust in the conversation. And people might point fingers at you. So we just don't say anything. Just keep it quiet. Friends with the world. And anyone who chooses to be a friend with the world becomes an enemy of God. Number six, but he gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, when the Bible talks about humbleness, it talks about submission to God. It starts really, it starts there. We become humble. Once we have surrendered ourselves to God, once we understand that Jesus Christ died for me, I was lost, I was a sinner, I would not go to heaven if I wouldn't have, if Jesus Christ wouldn't have come. So I submit. I give myself. Here you are. Lord, here I am. Please take me. When we do that, it's the first sign of humbleness. It's when you recognize you are a sinner, when you recognize you cannot help yourself, that you need help. That is the beginning of humbleness right there. And once you have recognized that you are absolutely nothing and nobody without God, guess what? You will be a humble person. You will submit from that moment on. You will submit to what the Scripture says. You will submit to God. You will submit to the moving and the leading and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And things will change. But that's humbleness. It's really, you know, we, we can hold back. You know, we, we have this tendency of holding back. Yeah, I know that, but I still hold back. But whoever understood fully what it meant for God to save you, we just simply, that person will simply let go of everything. Say, God, you know, I don't know nothing. I am nobody. Without you, I can't do anything. But with you, I can change the world. You were talking here in our prayer meeting this week. The people of Israel, before they got into the promised land, they had to go down to the Jordan River in order to go up to the promised land. You have to go down first so that you can be lifted up. For you to inherit the promised land of God, which is a different world, a different concept, a different, different principles, different ways of living, completely different. So you submit, you have to go down so that you can be lifted up and inherit the promised land. And that's what the Lord wants to do. But for that to happen, you have to leave the friendship with the world, the ways the world thinks. You have to give up of your own ideas, and own you, you, even if you have some smart ideas. You even, those ideas, it's not that the Lord's going to take those ideas away. He will not leave you as a dummy. Let's put it this way. However, you submit what you have, the good and the bad, to him. Lord, you, wanna, you gave me these gifts. I want to use them. 
but I want to use them to your glory. I don't want to use them to my own glory. I want to use this things that you gave me, the gifts that you gave me, to promote the kingdom of heaven and to change the world around me. So God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. That's why. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. This is a time for us as church to wash the hands. What does that mean? Not just go on a sink and wash the hands. This has to do with cleansing from the inside. Examine if there are dirtiness, if there are pride in my heart, and remove it. It is the beginning of the unity in the church. It is the beginning of, once we have surrendered, it's when we... It's the only way that we actually can come together and agree with each other. As long as I think I have the best way, as long as I think, you know, everyone has to lay down the weapons so that God can raise us up. Can we have diverse opinions? Yes. We lay them down. We lay them down before the throne of God. And if your idea is a good idea, I bet you the Lord is going to use that good idea. He is not going to throw it away. If you have good intentions with your ideas, if you have a good heart with your ideas, your ideas will be used, will be heard, and why not? They will be, will be done. He's not throwing us away. He's not... No. He wants to use us. He has given us talents. He has given us gifts. But everything, we just, even the crown, whatever, we're going to submit it to the Lord. In heaven, one day, we're going to have a bunch of crowns, and they will be, in the end, brought to the throne of Christ. But the Lord wants to use us. But before he wants to use us, he wants, he wants to see if we have actually submitted to him. So that's why we are supposed to purify our hearts, Especially if you are double-minded. Verse 9, grieve, mourn, and veil. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's how you have to examine. I don't, am I a person that li- don't like to be lectured? Nobody likes to be lectured. Don't tell me what to do. I know very well. Even that feeling, we are to submit and surrender to God. Just give it to God. You know, he is not throwing you away by you submitting to him at all. He is going to make you a weapon, a powerful weapon, way more powerful than you were until now. He's not, okay, well, everybody just submit and become like a dummy. No, that's not what the Lord is saying at all. He wants us to submit so that he can use us, and he will lift us up in due time. Praise the Lord for that. And when that happens, all of a sudden we won't be slandering each other anymore. Because it says, your brothers and sisters, do not slander one another by using these harsh words. Well, you do that. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. And you just pour it out. And have you, don't you have also kind words to say? When you submit and when I submit, we all of a sudden will start saying kind words to each other. 
Because the things you want, the things you think are right, you have submitted to the Lord. And if it is, the Holy Spirit is going to confirm with you and with me and with everybody else around us. All of a sudden, yeah. Because you, you gave it to him. You gave it to the Lord. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. So before we speak against somebody, before we actually open our mouth and, hey, you know, that guy, you know, have you heard about that guy? You know, all this gossip sometimes that goes around. When we point a finger, it's always saying, you know, there's always three or four fingers that point back to us. Before we see a big, well, a little, a little, thing in the eye, there might be a bigger plank in our own eye. But we submit it, the good and the bad, to him, to the Lord, and he will make something beautiful out of it. And I'm telling you, I'm going to stop here today, but it is the beginning of the unity in the body of Christ. We'll continue on next Sunday, but I want you to uh, to give it a thought, to examine the heart, to check out, yeah, is it about me? Is it about my preference? Or is it about the greater good of the kingdom? The Lord, he will use you. He will bless you as soon as you humble yourself. He will use me as soon as I humble myself. Like I shared the other day, pastor friend of mine, he he has now become a, a, a pastor of a 60,000-person people church in Brazil. He started off very humbly. It was a Baptist church, very humble. But today, you know, it's, I would say it's, almost, it's, it's not his fault that he grew so much. So he, he bought an airplane. He bought a jet for himself. So he flies from from uh, the north of Brazil to go on different conferences uh, during the week. But on the weekend, he is back home and preached at his church. But he started humbly. And he was the one that said, you know, I have only one fear in life, and that is to sin against my God. I don't fear anything else. But I fear if eventually I sin against my God. And that should be our attitude too. Lord, I give myself to you. I don't want my own ideas, my own thinking. I submit it to you. If you want to use it, if you want to change it, please do. And the Lord will. And you will, yes, become a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless those who are listening online this, mo- this evening or this, after- this morning here. May the Lord give us grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do we have a song to sing yet? Please come on up.